0: <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 teaches us that we need to lo- learn to love our children. Yesterday, uh, we need to teach our children to learn to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I, I, I said, if you just got a copy of the notes, I'll give you briefly uh, the four points that we covered yesterday, and then we've got about eight more points to cover tonight. Number one, pray for your children every day. We said how important it is that we pray for our children. Number two, we said... Uh, in your notes. Play with your children. Uh, make sure that you spend time playing with your children. It's so important that our children grow up knowing that it's fun to be Christ- be a Christian, that it's, so it's great to be saved. Number three, participate with your children in ministry. Uh, uh, if you want to get the the rest of the blanks, you'll have to get them. Uh, we said it's important that you not just talk about ministry or or take yourself away from your kids for, with ministry, but participate with your children in ministry. And then number four, we talked about provoking your children to think. And we mentioned the fact that the Bible says, the Bible talks about every type of sin that you can possibly talk about. And but it, it, But the Bible, God, teaches us, Uh, The consequences of sin, and it's very important that we uh, allow our children, not, not try to shelter our children from the fact that there's sin, that there's terrible things going on in the world, but we need to let them see it from God's perspective and see the consequences of doing that which is wrong. You know, the world teaches uh, every uh, the world teaches everything backwards from what we know, the Word of God says. In fact, our children can get confused, even hearing Bible stories uh, because they have they're hearing things from the world and they're hearing things um, from church, and they're hearing things in different places and different venues. Uh, my, my daughter, Charity, is an excellent communicator. She's a great, Bible teacher. Really, really good. Uh, she's very emphatic, and when she teaches, she gets emotional. Well, she decided she was going to homeschool all of her children. She has four children. Uh, we homeschooled. I should say my wife homeschooled all five of our children, and she decided that's what she's going to do. Now, we have a Christian school. I think she could have taken them to Christian school, but she said, no, I want to teach them. Our our. Her oldest son is is named Trey. When Trey was about four or five years old, she decided she's going to start taking him through all the Bible stories. And so she started with the book of Genesis, of course, and she was talking to him about creation. And um, he was said... uh, She she said, she said, she talked to him about what happened on day one and then what happened on day two and what happened on day three and then day four and day five. She gets to day six and she starts talking to him about the creation of all the animals. And she said, you know, he created all the animals and they started talking about animals. And then she said, and then, you know, the last thing that, that, that God created. And he said, what? The last thing that God created was man. And you know how he did that? No. This is how he did it. Trey, God reached into the earth, and the Bible says he formed the body of man out of the dust of the earth. And then he, she said, Trey, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And Trey's just looking, his eyes like big silver dollars. He she said, and you know who that first man was, Trey? And Trey looked up and said, Darth Vader. <laughs> Children can get confused. <laughs> they can get confused about what is uh, what is Bible and what is what is in the world. And we need to make sure that we're teaching them the right thing which brings me to the last or to the next point. Point number 5 is is push consistency. Push consistency. It's so important that what we do in our home, we do at church that we're not that our children don't get the idea that we're phony. We did not try to put on a fake face. Now, it's true. We would drive up just like so many people. You, you're you on your way to church. Isn't it interesting how the devil messes up everything on Sunday morning? Uh, you're planning on getting out of the door. You're just, just about ready to walk out the door. And then why is it always then they throw up on you? Uh, you've got, you got 10 minutes to get to church. You're just about to get out and you're going to make it on time, but not today. Uh, 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 then... then uh, who's going to fix this and what's going to do here. It's always the devil. So there's times that you're you're on your way to church and you're saying, okay, we're going to be good. And then you drive up and then somebody pulls up and says, hey, Brother Ty," and you say, hi. And uh, it really wasn't that way just a few moments ago. So there's those times of, uh, there's those times that, that um, you are just trying to be pleasant when things aren't pleasant. But the, the, it is so important that you push with your children consistency so that so that who you are at home is who you are at church. So people know that that you are that that so that your children um, know that you are genuine. I'm telling you this: your children will put up with a lot in your life, but they won't put up with hypocrisy. They don't like hypocrisy. They want to know that you are genuinely who you are. And my wife and I had tried our best to be genuine, real people. I was at, uh, I was, I got a phone call one day from a nationally known preacher who had, in fact, an international television broadcast. He called me up and he said, uh, he said, hey, I'm coming to L.A. He said, uh, and I would like to stop by Las Vegas. And he said, I'd just like to stop by Las Vegas just to see you. I said, yeah. He said, well, not just you. He said, I'd like to meet your, meet with you and your two boys. Would you be willing to do that? He said, uh, I said, well, yeah, I, I think we, I could. I can speak for Matthew. Matthew works for me. I can't speak for Josh. He pastors his own church across town. He said, well, if you could, would you call me back if you could meet with me? He said, because I'm going to make a special stop in Las Vegas just because I want to talk to you. I said, well, I'll I'll, I'll see what I can do. So I, I got off the phone, called Josh, said, would you be, be available on a certain date to meet with this guy? And he said, he said, sure. And so, so he uh, called me up, and I called him back up, said, we'll meet with you. And uh, he came in, flew in, got his own, got to rent a car from the airport, came over to my office and met with me and Matt and Josh. And uh so said, brought him in. Came, I said, hey, we'll take you to lunch. He said, oh, that's not necessary. He said, I just really want to talk to you for about an hour or so. I said, Okay. He said, um, he said, really, I, just have, I could ask a lot of questions. He said, I just really want to ask your two sons in front of you one question. I said, okay, what's that? He looked at them and said, what is it that made you want to follow your father in ministry? Why do you want to be involved in ministry? Why do you want to serve God? I mean, you were raised in this guy's house. What did he do? And Matt looked at him and said, oh, that's easy. He's genuine. I got to tell you this. My heart sunk. My my son met Joshua. Said, "There's he's absolutely the same person in the pulpit as he is on the living room couch. There's there's not a phony bone in his body." And I thought, man, I'm so glad that God covered up for me. That God allowed that God didn't allow them to see my inconsistencies. I went to preach at Joshua's church. I've had the opportunity of preaching there several times. First time I went there to speak, the church was about two and a half years old, and, and, and uh, my son Josh introduced me in that way. He said, I've got to tell you, the guy that you're meeting today is the same guy that sat at our dinner table night after night and talked about Jesus. Your kids need to see you be genuine. They need to know that what you are is what you are. And that you really believe what you are. I don't know how many times in my, and I say this as, as humbly as I can. This is, I'm not, I'm not trying to elevate myself. I'm just telling you that we have tried. And again, it's totally and completely the mercy of God. My wife and I have tried to be real people. I talked to a teenage boy just um, about four days ago. I walked through my office and he was in our school and he had been taken out of his school class to take a makeup test and they sat him in my office because they didn't think anybody was I was I was going to be there that day. I walked in and I looked at him and immediately my heart went out to him. His mom and dad went to our church for oh I, I don't know how many years, ten years. They decided to leave our church. He got an attitude. <sighs> And their, son was, still, their sons were still going to our church. It, it, it had been probably three or four years, and they had decided they were going to get a divorce. They were about to split up. Th- these kids were sweet kids. This young man, because of the stress and the problems that were in their home and the inconsistencies that were in his parents, he tried to commit suicide last year. And... Uh, and, and I just thought, man, he must think that every Christian, because, listen, your children are judging all of Christianity based on your consistency. So there, he, he, I, I thought he must, he must think. I pray for him on a daily basis. I walked in, and I looked at him, and I called his name. He was wearing a mask. I said, hey, take your mask off and talk to me. put his mask down, and I said, I, I want you to know I love you. And I said, I want you to know this. Sometimes we can see, we see weakness in Christians. We see we get disappointed by how some people act, and it crushes our spirit. But I want you to know there are people who genuinely love you, genuinely care about you, and there are Christians who are genuine Christians, and who have lived for the Lord, and care about the Lord. And I want you to know that God wants to use your life. Don't let some hypocrisy that you might perceive discourage you from doing what God wants you to do. Look, don't put on a fake face. Be real. Now, there's a difference between being genuine and and having discretion. There's certain things that we taught our children are okay at home, but you don't do these things at church. And the illustration that I used with them all the time was this. I would say to them, Uh, that they would say, well, why is that okay here and not okay there? The reason it's okay here is because we're at home. I said, is it okay for dad to wear pajamas at home? Well, yeah. Is it okay for me to preach in pajamas? No, dad, you don't preach in pajamas. Well, why? Because you just don't do that. And I would say to my kids, that's true. There are some things that are appropriate in one place, and they're not appropriate in another place, and culture dictates that so often. And what we need to do is be discreet, but we don't want to be hypocrites. It's important that you teach that which is right and that which is wrong, that which is proper and that which is improper, and teach them that which is scriptural and that which is a preference to you. It's very, very important that we be open and communicate those truths to others. My, my wife and I have ministered in independent fundamental Baptist churches uh, for years. And there are, there are, we have good, we have good uh, preacher friends and good uh, ministries that we've been involved with where ladies are not allowed to wear pants. It's against the rules for ladies to wear pants. My wife and my daughters have always wore pants. Uh, we, we do all sorts of crazy things that I think if they did them in a skirt or a dress, it would be immodest. And, and uh, so we're not going to do that. We've always wore pants. However, when we've gone to ministries that have different convictions than we have, what we do is we bend to their convictions and we explain to our children as they were growing up the reason we're doing this here is because we don't want to offend those people and the bible says if we love people that we won't offend them and so we're always careful not to be offensive that's discretion that's not hypocrisy, and you need to explain those things to your children. So, uh, be a uh, push consistency. Number six, prove your convictions. Prove your convictions. We said to our children, and I was criticized by, by some preachers, good friends of mine, for doing this. But we said to, we, we, we said, we don't do that because. And we said, we do this because. We did not say a lot of times, you just do it because I said so. Because I'm the boss, I'm the big guy, and you're the little guy, and I'm the big man, and you're the little girl, and you're going to do what I say, or bad things are going to happen to you. That's a mistake. The Bible teaches us, God tells us, listen, in James, He says if any man lack wisdom let him ask of god wow if god says to you and me if we don't understand something if you don't understand what i'm doing you can ask me and i'll tell you wow if god says that then maybe it'd be good for me to say to my children hey if you don't if you have a question about that or always be available if they have a question now there is questioning in rebellion you understand there is there is rebellious questioning like uh for instance if, you, if they come and say, can I have the keys to the car tonight, and you say no, and they say, why? Well, you can tell if it's rebellion, number one, by the attitude. Number two, by asking yourself this question, if you said yes, would they say, why? Uh, um, the, 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 if there's a rebellion there, there, there are times, oftentimes, you need to sit back. And say, listen, I'm not going to deal with that rebellion. But then you can explain to them why. It's important that your children know that you have a why for what you do. You know, when my, my children became adults, they, they, they didn't do everything exactly the way I did things. And they, and there's some things that they believe that are different than what I believe. But you know what? They know that I have a reason for why I believe what I believe. Because I've sat down and I've explained it to them. Uh, years ago, years ago, uh, I think back in the 90s, there was uh, a popular thing. My my oldest son is 43, so it was, it was a popular thing back there for teenagers to take their pants and cuff their pants up like so, and then and then make them into like balloon looking pants all right so they would walk around like this and it wasn't and that was the cool thing to do and uh and but it bothered me because the girls were doing exactly the same thing as the guys were doing and i thought it looked effeminate and i thought that's just i don't want my son doing that and i said to matt and josh i don't want you doing that why dad i said i just don't want you to do that and then one day i was on my we were driving down this road out in the desert me and matthew by himself he said dad can you tell me why i can't wear my pants that way I said, "Okay, let me explain to you." And I started back in the 1960s, and I said in the 1960s, the the uh, the whole culture was going into a a, a, re- a revolution and the unisex movement was being pro- pushed and because through the unisex movement, um, men were beginning to be pushed into looking like women and women like men, and and, and I went through this whole cultural explanation. I took about 15 minutes or driving down the road and I'm just explaining to him the whole thing. And I said, "When I see this happening I see it as part of that unisex movement that's trying to demasculate uh, men and and make um, uh, uh, women more masculine and I said I just don't like it I said does that make sense to you he said no not at all (laughs) and I said I said okay well are you gonna are you gonna do that when I'm not around he said no I said why he said because I don't understand it but you're the dad and I'm the son, and your reasoning makes sense to you, and maybe later on I'll figure it out. I said, that's good enough for me. I just, it's just important that you understand that your children need to know that you have a reason for your convictions, and your convictions should be based on the Word of God, and then your standards should be based on some type of conviction that's in the Word of God. And so make sure that you you push consistency and then that you prove your convent, convictions. Number seven, personally apologize. Do you know that parents are not perfect? Can you say amen to that? Amen. Parents are not perfect. When we did that which was wrong or saw an inconsistency in our life, we confessed that to them so that they could see we were not trying to be uh Hypocrites. So we were that we really we we blew it. You oftentimes parents feel if they apologize to their children, somehow their children are going to see that as a weakness and a reason to do their own thing. Just the opposite is true. When you apologize to your children, when you ask them to forgive you when you've done something wrong, man, it just impresses them with the with the reality of who you are. Uh, <laughs> my wife used to have a yearly uh, craft boutique at our church that lasted, that went, would, would go on, was it like Friday? And then all day on Saturday. And uh, ladies would come and bring all these things. And all day long it was a great big Christmas uh, bonanza type thing. It was, And uh, so, uh, and very seldom was I, was I the one at home watching all of the children. But on that day, they were going to be at home and I was going to be watching the children, and we knew this like weeks ahead of time. Well, when I grew up, uh, I, I was a fan. Uh, every, every, every day after school, uh, when I was in second and third and fourth and fifth grade, when I, came, when I would go home from school in the afternoon, there were two TV shows that were on. Number one, was the Mickey Mouse Club It came on about 3 30 and then right after the Mickey Mouse Club came the adventures of Superman and I would go I would go home and make sure I was home in order to I didn't really care about Mickey Mouse but he was okay but I was waiting for the adventures of Superman I grew up loving Superman I got Superman capes and I played Superman in my and we did all that Uh, in the 1970s you know this that that uh, Christopher Reed came out as the new Superman. And in 1977, the year our church started, uh, Superman flew onto the screen and it looked as though you could really see a man fly. And, uh, and uh, so that, that came out. And then Superman 2 came out. And then Superman 3 came out. And then after that, there was no more Supermans until the, the mid 80s. And then in the mid 80s, they came out with Superman 4 we we didn't go to the theater but we did wait for the vhs to come out and we were waiting and waiting and waiting for the vhs tape of Superman 4 to come out and it came out and it came out the weekend that I was gonna be home with the kids and I said hey kids this is gonna be a great weekend mom's gonna be gone she could care less about Superman she doesn't believe a man can fly and she doesn't think a guy should run around in tights and a, and a, and a, and a cape but uh, uh, so she, she wasn't into that but I knew the kids would love this so I thought uh, I, I said, Superman 4 is going to come out. It's the quest for something I don't know, all about nuclear war and everything. And so, uh, uh, so I, I got, got the tape. I got the tape. I said, kids, here's what we're going to do. To, uh, to when mom, we're going to go to bed early tonight, and then tomorrow morning, when mom gets up and she leaves, I'm going to make a big breakfast, and then we're going to have we're going to have popcorn, and I'm going to order pizza, and we're going to watch Superman 4, and this is going to be a big party day. It's going to be exciting. Going to be great. So, I got everything ready. I, I ordered the pizza. I knew it was going to come at a certain time. I, 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 uh, I, we made the popcorn ahead of time because, you know, big popcorn in the desert will last all day long, last weeks, without getting whooshy and smooshy <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, so uh, we got the, I got the popcorn ready. I, I got up. I'm always the first per- person up in the house. And Anna had taken off and gone to the, uh, to the boutique. And, and uh, I, I started doing things. <laughs> got to back up and I got to tell you another story. My son, Joshua, when he was, when he was 18 months old, uh, was diagnosed, uh, almost died because he, uh, we, we were giving him milk and sugar and we found out he was highly allergic to milk and sugar. And, uh, and, and, uh, really he literally was shriveling up and we did not know it. We didn't have medical insurance. We didn't know anything. We took him to a doctor who happened to like us. And, uh, who had uh, delivered Joshua, and he said, this is what's going on, helped us, and and so he said, never let him have milk and sugar. Uh, It's not good for him, Uh, and so we got him off of that. Well, he said, if you're going to take them off milk and sugar, you've got to make your children, you've got to make him eat calcium pills. Two things calcium pills do. Number one, it builds their bones, and it'll keep them healthy. Number two, it'll, it'll, calm them down. When your children eat calcium, if you've got a hyperactive child and you and you feed them with calcium, calcium will calm their spirit naturally, just in case you have any children like all of my children, hyperactive. And so so he said, that'll be really good. So I thought, man, if that's good then for Joshua, then it's good for all the kids. All the kids are going to have calcium pills. And so when you, we went to get calcium, calcium pills used to come in pills about this big around, and they came in citrus flavor, or they came in cherry-flavored. So you could have citrus-flavored chalk or cherry-flavored chalk, but that's what it was like. And you take that stuff, you put it in your mouth, and you chew it up, and it's like chewing Pepto-Bismol tablets. It's horrible, uh, terrible stuff. But, being a good father, I put them out every day. I would put out calcium from Matthew, Joshua, charity and faith. We didn't have hope at the time. We were hopeless for four years. And so we put. Out, I put out the calcium, and they would eat them every day, except they didn't like to eat them. They didn't like to eat them. I would find calcium pills underneath the pillows uh, of their bed. I would find them underneath the sofa. I would find them in all sorts of different places, just hidden. One day I saw the dog a- after breakfast coming out and going, I mean he was trying to eat that calcium and I, I was constantly on these kids about making sure you eat your calcium and and uh, so it was, a, it was a constant battle and so uh, so that morning I get up I walk back into our downstairs bathroom when I walk into the downstairs bathroom I look uh, I, I look in the garbage can in the garbage can there's an empty bottle an empty calcium bottle I look in the toilet and there's a whole bottle of calcium that's been poured in the toilet. And I thought, my goodness, that stuff's expensive. And and, and somebody just poured that whole thing, and I called the kids out, and I said, come down here. I I went out to to, to where the stairwell was, and they were still upstairs. I said, Matt, Josh, Charity, Faith, come down here. And they started running down. I hear thump, 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 and they all get down in front of me. And I said, i got to ask you a question. I said, I just went in the bathroom back here. Somebody poured out an entire bottle of calcium pills. And I said, this is not funny, because they begin immediately to smirk. And I said, no, no, this is not funny. Somebody here is getting a spanking. And I don't know who it is, but I want to know which of you poured that out. Matthew, did you do that? Matthew said, I didn't do it. I said, I said, Joshua, did you do it? Not this time. I didn't do it. And I said, what about you, Charity? Did you do it? No, no, sir, I didn't do it. And I looked at Faith. Faith was four years old. She had no idea what was going on. I said, they said, maybe it was Faith. I said, it was not Faith. <laughs> wasn't Faith. She, had, she was probably only three years old. I said, it wasn't Faith. I said, which of you three did it? Nobody. And I thought, man, I can't let this go by. They've done something deliberately wrong. I've got to spank somebody. And I said, so I, I said, you, I, I, somebody's got to tell me, and the, nobody's going to tell me. I said, listen, we're not going to watch that movie. We're not going to eat the popcorn. We're not going to have the breakfast. We're not going to do anything until one of you tell me who did this. Nobody's, nobody's confessing. I said, okay, go upstairs. Just go back up to your room, sit in your room, and you think about that. And when you, whenever you're ready, whoever, whichever one of you did this, you're the one that's causing everybody else to have a bad day, so go. So they all just sort of moped up the stairs. I found out years later that Charity and, and Matthew got together and were trying to convince Joshua to confess that he did it because they said, Dad believes you did it anyway. And, uh, and uh, so I didn't know what was going on upstairs, but it was, all I knew It was quiet. An hour went by, nobody confessed. Two hours went by, nobody confessed. Three hours goes by. I mean, the pizza's been delivered and it's rotting. The the popcorn's just sitting there. I want to watch the movie. Uh, uh, nothing nothing's happening. And I thought this is this is terrible. My wife walks in the back of the room or back or into the house. She, it's about noon, and she said, "Where are the kids?" I said, "They're upstairs." She said, "Why?" I said, "You want to know what your children did?" <laughs> She said, what? She said, what? I said, I don't know who it was, but one of them, I went into the bathroom, and I said, somebody emptied out a whole bottle of calcium pills in the toilet. She said, in the downstairs bathroom? I said, yeah. She said, oh, David. I thought, what's up? She said, yesterday I was cleaning out the cupboards, and I found that, and it was from like two or three years ago. And she said it was outdated and expired. And I thought, I, I just better get rid of this. I poured it into the toilet. I said, you did? She said, yes. I gave her a spanking. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do that. I thought, my goodness. What am I going to do? And Now my kids have been upstairs. I've ruined their day because I didn't believe them when they told me the truth. So I thought, man. What am I going to do? I, I called Matt, Josh, Charity, Faith, come on down. And they all came down. I said this I got down on my knees. I said, I want to look at you. And they're looking like something's really big is going on. I said, I want to ask, I want to tell you something. You told me the truth a little while ago, and I didn't believe you. And it's like I called you liars. And I said, Matt, I want to ask you to forgive me. For lying to you. And Matt looked at me and said, okay. I said, Joshua, I want you to know I love you, and I want to ask you to forgive me. Will you forgive me for calling you a liar? Well, yeah. I said, Charity, will you forgive me? Yeah, Daddy, I forgive you. I said, "I said, Faith, will you forgive me? And she didn't, you know, she didn't know what was going on. I said, I, said, I was wrong, and I, I ruined your day. They said, okay. I said, "Uh, you'll forgive me? Yes. They said, Daddy, can we ask a question? I said, what's that? Can we watch the movie now? Can we have the pizza now? And it was all over just that quick. And you know what? They saw that their daddy had done wrong, and their daddy admitted to the wrong, asked for forgiveness. And I tell you what, it didn't ruin my parental authority. It upped my parental authority in their eyes. It's so important that we personally apologize. When we do something wrong, be honest with our children about those things. Number eight, parent, don't pander or don't coddle your children. In Ephesians, the Bible says, in Ephesians chapter six, it says, it says and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture of, and the admonition of the Lord. The word nurture means chastisement. It's it's translated in Hebrews chapter 12 as chastisement. It means correcting properly. It means caring enough about your children that when they're doing that which is wrong, you're willing to take steps to correct them and bring them upright. That is... That is proper discipline. So, proper, I want you to, in your notes, it says blank, but that's proper spanking is not abuse. Proper spanking is not abuse. God wants us to discipline our children. And I'm telling you today, this is not politically correct. But I want you to understand this. There's not a state in the United States where it is illegal for biological parents to spank their biological children. I always warn when I'm talking about this, if you are a stepmom or a stepdad, that you should not spank your children. You should allow the biological parent to spank that child. But the Bible tells us very simply, talks over and over and over again about sparing the rod, and, and making sure that you use the rod properly. And there's a whole lot that I could say about this, and I want to make sure that you understand a couple of things. Number one, what does the Bible talk about when he's talking about the rod? The rod is a is, is, is talking about a a switch or a branch off of a tree. And I'm not talking a great big branch. I'm talking about a switch taken off of a tree. When my daddy... Was before I was born, uh, years before I was born. My dad worked in in carnivals. He worked as as a balloon man and a a a um, a, um, a weight guesser and an age guessing person in in carnival booths. That's what he did. As a balloon man, he had balloon sticks. Balloon sticks. These these now you find balloon sticks. They're plastic, but these were these were little wooden. Uh, balloon sticks that were less than a quarter of an inch thick. Um, And my dad must have known that I was going to be born. Uh, But my dad, for some reason, for, for five or six years before I was born, he saved a box of balloon sticks. Those balloon sticks sat in a box that was square like this and stood about this high. And when I did something wrong and I really got to a place where I provoked my father, he would say, David, go get me a balloon stick. And I thought, oh no, anything but the balloon switch. I can remember what those sounded like when you pulled it out of the box. I can remember hearing this. Ving, ving, ving. I can remember that. And you say, why are you telling me that? Because a balloon switch is just exactly what, what God is talking about when he talks about the rod. What is a balloon switch? A balloon a stick... Is an instrument that stings but does not hurt. Now watch this. Watch this. That permanent. That does permanent damage. This stings. When God says that He that spareth the rod hateth his child, He's not talking about bruising your children. He's not talking about abusing your children. He's talking about having an instrument, a switch off of a tree that stings but does not permanently damage. And it's showing your children there's a consequence for disobedience. We we today just veer away because of all the accusations of abuse in our our world. Uh, We veer away as parents from proper discipline of our children. It is proper when your children—in fact, the Bible says the Bible says so much about the rod in Proverbs. I would encourage you to look up the word rod and see what the Bible says. You know the Bible says? I've had people say, I've spanked my children, but when I spank my children, it doesn't do any good. They have a bad attitude. And here's why. When you spank them, you're angry. And the Bible very clearly says that the rod of your anger will fail. That, that, that if you spank somebody because you're angry at them, it's going to make them angry at you. If somebody hits you because they're mad at you, what do you want to do? You want to pop them back, uh, but but that's not what you do. That's not you don't spank your children in anger. And when you do, then you're it's going to be void. It's going to be it's not going to work. The Bible tells us when you spank, you're to admonish your children. That is explain to them why they're being spanked, um, so that they know why, what they're doing wrong. There's so much to say, and I can't go into all of it right now, but I want to say this. It's important that you learn how to properly, and that we train others, how to properly spank our children. Uh, When we spanked our children, what we did very simply, uh, I I would know when when my children had been spanked during the day, because my wife would take my belts, and she would take and cut one end of the belt and cut the other end of the belt so that there was just the leather there. Now my children, my oldest children would tell you, yes, she cut the belt and she used the she used the metal part. Uh, and uh, that's a big joke around our house, but that's, of course, not the truth at all. She would she would cut off a strap that was about a foot long and that would sting the bottom. By the way, God has God has prepared a Knowing that man would sin, knowing the fall of man, he prepared the body perfectly to be bent over, perfectly. And, and even in small children, you can take a child, you can bend them over this knee, and then bend over, and you can take this leg and put it around their legs so that there is no chance of abuse. And then there's those, those, that, that place when they're bent over is perfectly padded so that you can sting it without permanently damaging the child. And I'm talking, I'm, I want you to understand what I'm saying. I'm saying stinging the bottom is perfectly good and not abusive. And, and God's created us in such a way that we can discipline our children, but we have to do it right. Proper spanking is not abuse. Uh, proper spanking is, is ordained by God as a way to correct your children. And you need to understand that God did not, that your, your, your children will grow up and have lots of friends, but they only have one set of parents. And you don't need to be your children's best friend. My wife would spank our children. My wife hated spanking our children. But my wife would always say, and my children would tell you this if they were here, she would say, I'm not here to make you like me. I'm here to make you obey. And she would have to repeat that to herself because spanking is never a pleasant thing. And so spanking is, is, if done properly, can be a real help in correcting your children, but you need to do it properly. Admonition means instruction. The Bible says we're to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It was not our desire to be our children's best friend, though we wanted them to love us more than anyone else, it was our responsibility to bring them up. So we chastened them when they needed it, and we gave them all the instruction we could. So if if Matthew, and I'll just use him. We said, Matthew, don't touch this. This is I want you to leave this alone. You put that there. And Matthew would say, Oh, like Adam, Matthew would go and look. Now, if you touch that, you're going to get a spanking. Okay, don't touch that. And so Matthew would look. Matthew would do that. Now, what parents do is this. They say, don't touch that. And he touch, touches it and you say, no! I said don't touch that. And he touches it again. I said, how many times do I have to tell you? Now, now you're allowing yourself to be controlled by your emotions and the situation. What you do is you say, don't touch that. If you touch that, you give them a warning. By the way, that's what God did in the Garden of Eden. He said, don't don't touch the tree. And he said, by the way, if you do touch the tree, then the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. He gave instruction. He gave them warning. There's times where we need to give clarification Because even Eve in the garden was confused. She said, I can't touch it, or I can't eat of it. Well, no, God didn't say that. God just said, don't touch it. So sometimes your kids need clarification. But you say, don't touch it, and they go to touch it. You say, now, if you touch it, you're going to get a spanking. So what do you do? If they touch it, then you say, okay, we're gonna get a spanking, and you bring them over. And you say, now, I, I want you to understand, Matthew, I love you but I can't let you disobey, because if you disobey me now, you'll disobey God later on. And I love you, and, and I told you not to do that, so what am I gonna have to do? You have to spank me. Am I spanking, why am I spanking you? Because you love me. My kids constantly told me, when I was spanking them, what, it, the reason, why am I spanking you? Because you love me. And then I then I would turn them over, I would spank them, or my wife, she said, she, said, she would tell you this, she didn't have them, she didn't turn them over her knee because she knew they would get big enough to where she couldn't turn them over. She would just say, bend over, and they would bend over, and then she would whack them, or I would, I would spank them, and I would say, after, after the spanking, I would say, now, why did I spank you? Because you love me. What did you do? I disobeyed. That's right, you disobeyed, and I can't let you disobey. Do I love you? Yes, I love you. It's hug, it's over, it's done. Let's go play that's that's proper discipline. And that's just a very, I'm just talking very quickly, but what you've done is you've given them discipline with instruction. And you need to have admonition. Admonition is important. So parent, don't pander your children. Number number nine, partner together with your spouse. Look, you're not going to agree on everything that's right and everything that's wrong, but you need to make sure that your that you are in agreement. Do not, if you have disagreements, make sure it's not in front of your children because your wonderfully sweet, angelic children know how to play you against each other. They know what mom will say yes to and what dad will say no to and, and you can't have that. We decided years ago we were gonna have a united front and whatever, whenever they came to me and said, hey, can we do this? I would always say, did you ask your mother? Yeah, but she said no. Well, then why are you asking me? Have you? What do you, what do you think your mother would say? Uh, well, I don't know. Well, let's go ask your mother. Let's let's. And 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 it's not like it, and dads don't do this and moms don't do this. Well, I think it would be okay, but let's go ask your father. That's terrible. That's not united. What you do is you agree together, and there are certain things that, that you won't agree on. You know, my wife grew up in a home where they were not allowed to watch cartoons, and they were not allowed to, because, because cartoons just, her mom was a teacher, her mom was a very, very intelligent lady, and she didn't want her, her children's minds to be messed up by the junk that's in cartoons. On the other hand, there was a little boy that was growing up in Las Vegas and uh, every Saturday morning, uh, he either watched cartoons, Bugs Bunny, uh, Bugs Bunny was his favorite, and um, uh, he always yearned to see the coyote uh, kill the roadrunner. Uh, and so he had these, the, the, uh, the, I, he grew up with, with that, I grew up over here, she grew up with this, totally different culturally uh, cultural things. And when we got married and and when I had kids, I thought, hey, I want to watch cartoons. I I think it's all right for my kids to watch cartoons. She thought it was a terrible thing for our kids to watch cartoons just because they're debase. And um, I thought, they're fun. And that's because I'm debase. And so so we had a little bit of conflict about that. So what did we do? We just sat down together without the kids and talked about what we were going to do. And you might think that's a silly thing, but that could have been a major conflict. And we just said, look, we came to the conclusion the children won't watch cartoons unless dad is present. That was fine with me, so I came home and and I watched cartoons. And my wife said, "Look, crazy people out there in the living room watching the cartoons." And so uh, and and uh, and that was that was our agreement. So we were able to do that. So the kids never said, "Can we watch?" Nope. It, I, I was I, I wasn't there. They couldn't call me up and ask me. We just decided we were going to agree together. On things and and that's compromised between a husband and wife and it's so needed for the unity listen your children are told this in the Bible children obey your parents he doesn't say obey your dad he doesn't say obey your mom he says obey your parents if mom and dad are in disagreement in front of the children they make it impossible for a child to obey God because God said obey your parents and if the parents aren't united, then you know what happens? It causes your child to be double-minded. And a, the Bible says in James, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That's why divorce is such a crushing thing to children. Number 10, push instant obedience. Instant obedience is absolutely necessary in our culture. I I don't have time. I'm running out of time to tell you story after story of how important it is obedience is doing exactly what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude it's so important that you teach your children to obey instantly came home from a, from from church on sunday night and i told you this um, that on sunday nights oftentimes we would we would lay out sleeping bags in our on our living room and we would watch movies with our children this particular uh, sunday night we came home we decided all to go upstairs in the bedroom in the back of the house, and everybody was in the master bedroom, and we had taken, uh, we had gotten a, a holiday movie called Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby and who, Danny Kaye or, or somebody, I don't know, and, uh, and, or Fred Astaire, I think, is in there. And they got, we got, they had the movie, it was on a VHS tape, and it was out in the back of the trunk of our car. And we got everybody upstairs, we got everybody all set, we were going to watch this, this, uh, this movie, and then I realized, oh, I left the movie downstairs. And there was already something running on the TV. And I said to Matthew, hey, Matt, run downstairs real quick and pick up and, and, and take the keys of the car, open the trunk of the car, and get the uh, movie out and bring it upstairs. So immediately he got up, ran downstairs, got the movie, ran ran upstairs, and, and we were watching the movie. We're watching the movie for about five or 10 minutes. I don't even think we're through the credits totally. And all of a sudden, my doorbell rings and it's like 9 30 on sunday night and i'm thinking who's ringing the doorbell at 9 30 on sunday night this is before cell phones so I, I run downstairs i open the door and my next door neighbor said her name was nancy she said dave are you going to do anything about this i said what she said don't you know what happened i said no she said well come out here so i walked out we had this little thing that covered the front of our door so you couldn't just see out in the driveway I lived at the end of a street an l shaped street so you would come down it was like half of a cul-de-sac and then you'd turn left uh, and my house was the house that if you just kept on driving down that street you would run into okay so my car is parked in the driveway in front of that um, uh, I walk outside i look in my driveway and there is a, a a truck has come down that street smashed into the back of my uh, my my car lifted it up off of the of the uh the um, driveway and moved it over into my lawn. it hit that it hit it so hard. It moved about a foot into my yard and then it backed up. What had happened is somebody, a guy down the street had had gotten drunk, fallen asleep as he was drunk, came coming down that street, and was unaware, he fell asleep and his car smashed into the back of that trunk. and uh, now he was laying there uh, on his steering wheel, dead drunk. And I thought, wow, this, you know, I better call the cops. So I called the cops. I brought him inside. I sat him down. Tried to be a good neighbor. And then it hit me. Just five minutes before, my son was out there on that, uh, on that, uh, uh, at that trunk. If he had come down, just, just, just that, at that time, he would have killed my son, or at least t- terribly crippled him. And then I thought, I'm sure glad that Matthew did exactly what I told him to do right when I told him to do it. Because if he'd have said, Oh, I'm too tired. How come I... Can't Joshua go down? How come you can't go down? I'm already watching the show. Can I just watch the... If I'd have let that go on? If I'd allowed that to be part of his life, it could have caused him just to to hesitate for four or five minutes, gone down there at the wrong time, and been dead today. I want you to understand, it's so important that we teach our children instant obedience. You do exactly what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. Three more things, and I'm going to go through these very quickly. Number one, or number 11, pull your children away from other children they don't do well with. Listen, don't ever say to somebody else in the church, my kids aren't coming over to your house because your kids are brats. Don't ever say, no, I'm not, your kids are a bad influence on my kids. That's not true always use this expression our children don't do well together you understand that'll save you friendships and somebody might get mad but you're not accusing if i i don't know how many times i said to people you know what i don't think it's good for our children to be together because they don't do well together they don't do well together That's saying my children aren't doing well for your children, and your children aren't doing well for my children. That's not accusing a brother or a sister of being a bad parent. It's just saying our children don't do well together. If somebody gets offended with you about that, then they'll have to get offended with you, but you're not making any accusations. There are some children that your children won't do well together. Walked out in my front yard one day, and my... uh, wonderful lady in our church, good friend, uh, her son and my son had found out that if you put perfume in a bottle and you get a lot of matches and you like them, that thing will explode. They thought this was lots of fun. They weren't doing well together. You understand? (laughs) And so I had to explain for a little while that it was not good for them to do this, to be together. They're not doing well together. You say, did it really affect them? Well, they are now the pastor and associate pastor of Southern Hills Baptist Church. Uh, so they got over that time. But there are some, ch- there are some children that just are never going to do well together. And you don't have to be accusatory towards others. But there are children that you need to, you need to remove your children from. And, and it's more important, listen, it's more important that you protect your children than it is that, than, that somebody like you or, or think that you're a wonderful person. Uh, so don't do that. Number 12. Uh, and by the way, keep your kids away from sleepovers. Protect your children. Keep them away. I talked about this a little bit yesterday, so I'm not going to go into that. Listen, uh, your children are sinners, and they'll talk to other children who are sinners about sinful things if they don't have parental supervision. I want you to know this, that elephants, the biggest animal that I know on the planet, elephants. Keep their children with them until they're full grown because they know there's something out in nature that will attack them. Number 12, practice positive replacement. Replace bad things with good things. This is really important. We, we, uh, as parents, oftentimes we say, you're not watching that. No, you're not watching that. You're not watching that but we don't say, hey, you can watch this, you can watch this, and you can watch this. You're not listening to that. You're not listening to that. You're not listening to that. Well, then let them, let them listen to this. and let them listen to this. My kids grew up thinking there was nothing more fun than having than being a Christian, because we did fun things here, and we did fun things there. There was music we didn't listen to. There was TV shows we didn't watch. There was movies we didn't watch. But we watched a lot of stuff and did a lot of things together. Don't take away a, a bad without replacing it with a good. All right, very important. And then lastly, and I could spend an entire hour talking about this, and of course I won't, pursue your child's heart. If one thing in Deuteronomy is clear, it's he says this, he says, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, that is you're constantly constantly with your children, and you're constantly letting them know they are more important to you than anything else in the world. Our priorities should be number one, our personal relationship with God that's spiritual. number two, humanly speaking your 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 number one relationship is with your spouse, your husband or your wife. that's number one, but for your for you as parents together. Your children should know there is nobody more important, nobody, no, nothing more important than spending time with you. We want you. We want you to be with you. My kids, uh, listen. I'll drive all day long tomorrow. If my kids call me at seven o'clock tomorrow night when I want to be in bed, and they call me and say, "Hey, we'd like to come over. We haven't seen you for a few days," we'll say, "Hey, come over." We've done that. I remember one time getting in bed after traveling for four or five days and it was like it, it was like 5.30 or 6 o'clock at night. And it was dark. I said, honey, let's just go to bed. I mean, just go to sleep. Uh, I, I don't want to watch anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to go to sleep. And she said, me too. And we got, our, we got our clothes off, got in bed, got ready to go to bed and the phone rang. Mom, dad, you're home. Can we come over? Yeah, she said, Let Dad come on over, we want to see you. Got back up, put the clothes on, and when they got in, when they came to the house, we said, oh, we were so excited to see you. I got down on my knees when they came in the front door, and I hugged them up, and I scared them, and I did that, and we did all that, and they stayed there for like two hours of agony, and we just had a great time to loving them, and then they went home, and then we died. You say, why did you do that? Because I want my children to know they're more important to me than anything else in the world, and I want my grandchildren to know the same thing. Pursue your children's heart because the world is, the devil is, and they need to know they're more important to you than anything else in the world. And you know what will happen? When you get to be grandparents, you won't be lonely. They'll be over there all the time. Somebody asked me the other day, what's it like to have empty nest? I said, I don't know, and I don't think I ever will know. All my kids are out of the house, but my grandchildren are back there all the time. My phone is all the time. The kids want us to go, we're going on vacation, could you come with us? No. Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, they just want to be with us. And uh, because we pursued their hearts. Father, help us to take what we've heard today. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to love our children. And Father, show your love, the love you've shown towards us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. All right, let's keep your head bowed and your eyes closed and...